0: Genesis chapter 2, first of all, and verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And then uh, over to uh, John's Gospel and chapter 11 for our next sign in our series in John's Gospel. John chapter eleven. I'm not going to read um, the full account here. I'm going to assume that you um, know that you you know the miracle. I, I will just briefly go through it, uh, but we're focused not so much on the miracle, more on the sign, and so I really just want to focus on some specific verses that will help us um, dig into that in a bit more detail. So John, John's gospel chapter eleven. Um, actually let's go back to John chapter 10 uh, verse 37 which in, if you're in a new bridge, it's just a little further page but some of you might have to turn back so John's gospel chapter 10 verse 37 if I do not the works of my father believe me not but if I do if I do though you believe not me believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him Therefore, they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. Uh, yeah, we'll read on. And went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. So at the beginning of chapter 11, the Lord Jesus is near the river Jordan. He's not, he's not going near Jerusalem or the, the, the sort of the political center. He's staying away from that uh, in, in Jordan and verse 41 says and many resorted unto him and said john did no miracle but all things that john spake of this man were true and many believed on him there now a certain man was sick named lazarus of bethany the town of mary and her sister martha verse three therefore his sister sent unto him the Lord jesus saying lord behold he whom thou lovest is sick when jesus heard that he said this sickness is not unto death, but for the, for the glory of God, the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Um, now down to verse um, 14. Then said Jesus unto them, this is a, a few days later, plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him verse 17 then when jesus came he found that he had lain in the grave four days already now bethany was nigh unto jerusalem about two miles and many of the jews came to martha and mary to comfort them concerning their brother then martha as soon as she heard that jesus was coming went and met him but mary sat still in the house then said martha unto jesus lord if thou had been here my brother had not died But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, yes, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Um, And then they go to the tomb, Uh, verse 39. The Lord Jesus says, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew thou hearest me always. But because of the people who stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things that Jesus did, believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what the things Jesus had done. They gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees and council and said, what do we? For this man does many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And we'll leave the reading there and ask for God to bless our consideration this evening. You can all hear me fine. I Take the volume is okay. Just a little... If it's it's too quiet, then I can um, speak up. If it's uh, it's just right, then let me know on chat. I know Paul Paul could hear me, but it's just good to know that um, it's coming through, whether I need to raise my voice at all. Can you, oh, okay, thank you, okay. Great, thank you, Christian and Steve, that's super. So um, we've been uh, embarking on a series here uh, through John's Gospel, looking at the signs uh, that John recorded. Um, there are over 40 miracles, aren't there, um, that are recorded in, in the full swathe of, of, of record in the Gospels, but John uh, seems to be very uh, particular about his choices that he, he makes, um, he's very specific uh, in the signs which he uh, chooses. So why did John choose this one? Why, why choose uh, this one uh, against some of the other ones that Matthew, Mark, and Luke chose. Well, we've seen that John uses this word—not uh, miracle, not wonder—but he uses this word sign, and he wants us to uh, read these accounts of what the Lord Jesus did in these miracles and realize what the sign is. What 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 is what what does this miracle point to? What is the significance of the sign? And, and that's what we want to think about this evening. I want to th- think think first of all with you about the prophetic significance the prophetic significance and then i want to think about the theological significance theological significance and then i want to think about the practical significance um, now when we think about prophetical things um, we're thinking about the, the the way that god has revealed his purposes to us And sometimes God does that so that we might know what's happening in the future. And often, like, for example, in the book of Revelation, which is a subset of prophecy, God is foretelling. He's telling what's going to happen before. And that's what that's the specific category of prophecy that I'm interested in. Okay. so whenever you whenever you hear the word prophetic or prophecy, it's just really um, a a big word, but a scriptural word for describing the, the, the revealed mind of God sometimes in connection with things that can happen way way in the future so I want to think about that with you first of all then I want to think about the theological significance now what does theology mean theology isn't isn't really a a bible word um but when you when you hear new words in a teaching meeting don't don't get concerned about it okay We're, we're always learning new words from the moment we're a child all the way up to an adult and beyond we're always learning new words so don't don't when you hear it a new word. Don't like theology. Don't go all deer in the headlights on um, on, on the on the Bible teacher. Um, so theology is a bit like biology. Okay, now you didn't know what biology was one day, um, but you do now. And actually, about this, the similarity is that both words are sort of based on Greek words. And if you know anything about the New Testament, you know that it was originally written in Greek so biology bio is the Greek word for life and ology is, is, is the study of something so biology is the study of life so theology is the study of God theo is the Greek word for God okay so it's simple so whenever you hear the word theology you think oh the bible teacher talking about the study of God simple okay um, why do we use Greek words in the English language? I don't know. That's not for me. <laughs> That's not for this this, this, me- this message this evening. But um, don't go deer on the headlights when you hear big, big words. Um, it's perfectly perfectly normal. So when we think about the theological significance, we're thinking about what it teaches us about God, in particular, the Lord Jesus. And then, as I said, finally, we'll think about the practical significance. Now, let me just give you, so we're all up to speed. Um see here who's on tonight yeah so i i i I can't assume that you all know the miracle um you know as well as i have by just reading a few verses so let me give you the the um the 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 version you've written on a small envelope so the lord jesus is staying near the river jordan we we read that in chapter 10 and he receives a message from his friends in bethany that lazarus is is his person who he knew very well and loved very well he's come down with some illness and so um, the Lord Jesus hears this message, but he actually delays going back to Bethany. By which time he gets back to Bethany, uh, Lazarus has actually died. And uh, he speaks with Mary and Martha. He empath- empathizes with them. He weeps with them before, as we read, asking them to open, to go, he goes to Lazarus's tomb and he asks them to open Lazarus's tomb. He prays, as we, as we saw, And then he calls lazarus out grave clothes and all and it's an incredible miracle and john clearly wants us to realize it's remarkable significance the um the uh the got the gospel of john i don't know whether we've quoted this already in the series we might have done so apologies if i'm repeating something that somebody else has already said but the gospel of john has been it's been said that it's shallow enough for a young child not to drown in Yet deep enough for an elephant to swim in. I say that again because you, you generally have to say those kind of things again, just, just for the, the, the sheer profundity of, of that. Those little uh, pithy sayings. John's Gospel is shallow enough for a child not to drown in, yet deep enough for an elephant to swim in. So, for example, John three sixteen, probably the best well-known verse in all the Bible, John's Gospel. But then you read something like john 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was was god and you think well that is that's incredibly profound and so john when he takes up his pen and and he records the life of the lord jesus he's got a specific purpose and we've seen what this purpose is uh we've been quoting it throughout this series he mentions it he, he waits until you get to the very end of his gospel before he lets the cat out of the bag so to speak and he says um Many other signs that Jesus did in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So he wants us, he wants these signs to point to the Lord Jesus. And he wants us, because of what we see in in the Lord Jesus, to believe on the Lord Jesus. And because we believe on the Lord Jesus, we have life. Okay, and so. John's take on the miracles of the life of the Lord Jesus is simple in one respect, but profound in another sense. And um, I hope to unpack that this evening. I'm not really going to be focusing on the lessons that we could learn in terms of suffering and grief, God's serenity, man's responsibility and all that. All that That's all in here. But I haven't got time to unpack that. And that's not really the purpose of this series. The purpose of this series is to look at the significance of the miracle. Why? John selected it. And it's not, it's simple and yet it's profound. I mean, I'll tell you right now, it's simply the, the most powerful way to reveal who the Lord Jesus is. And yet there's an awful lot of profoundness in what he did and um, what he said. So let's let's start with, by thinking about the prophetic significance first of all. Now, what we're thinking about here then is, is John has in his mind, as he, as he looks at the miracles in the life of the Lord Jesus, he has in his mind, well, look at this miracle here now, this this miracle of the resurrection of Lazarus. This is an interesting one, because the Lord Jesus in here, he, he shows that he has the power to give life. Um, what 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 has God revealed about the the ability to give life, the ability to resurrect somebody? What has what he revealed about that in the past? We know from Genesis um, chapter 2, we read it, that God is the giver of life. He's the one who, who breathes into mankind life. So we know that, that life is from God. But then we, we know from Genesis chapter uh, uh, 4 that because of Adam's sin and uh, Eve's sin, that men just died and died and died and died and died. But what becomes clear as we start to read through the Old Testament, and if we take for example, the Book of Job as a has a really old, um, uh, an old account of, of, of things, old in history. Um, is that the, the early believers, the early people who had faith in God, they seem to believe that um, the promises of God in Genesis 3:15 were made ultimately to the serpent, um, would w- would involve redemption, and would involve uh, resurrection. So you remember what um, God said to the serpent in Genesis 3.15. He said to the serpent, I will put enmity uh, between you and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So he told the serpent that there was going to come a day when the the act that the serpent had done in bringing sin into this um, in in deceiving Adam and Eve so that they ultimately brought sin into this world, the effects of that, the consequences were going to be reverse. And one of the consequences of sin, which God had said to them if they ate of the of the of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, was that they would they would surely die. They would surely die. And so uh in it, it packed into this this promise of judgment on the serpent in Genesis 3.15, 15, 15 it's the idea that that's all going to be reversed. That's all going to be uh, reversed, and God will actually bring life again. So the earliest believers knew this. And um, Job, for example, he says in um, Job nineteen. I'll read it um, so that I quote it correctly. He uh, he sums into the book, and you learn this. He says. Um, I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth and though after my skin worms destroy this body yet in my flesh I shall see God so he understood that although worms might eat his physical body his physical body might die the life would go on beyond that He, he believed in the resurrection now this is not uncommon in the Old Testament and we have to believe that you know Mary and Martha would have would have known these scriptures. Uh Daniel chapter 12 is another one. Let me just read that one. We're thinking here about the prophetic significance of this miracle. As John writes his gospel, he's writing to Gentiles and Jews, he's trying to prove to them that the Lord Jesus is the Son of God and that they should believe in him and have life in his name. And he's showing how the Lord Jesus is the Son of God. He is uh, the promised one of God, because of his connections uh, with Old Testament foretelling, prophecy, Old Testament prophecy, concerning the fact that, that believers would be reign. So Daniel chapter 12, it's the end of Daniel. Um, Daniel is, is recording, having things revealed to himself about the end of time. And he writes in Daniel chapter 12, At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which stands for the children of my people, and there shall be a time of trouble. He writes about the the great tribulation. And um, yeah, verse one, um, keep reading. And there shall be a time of trouble uh, such as there never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered every one that shall be found written in the book. And here it is. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So Daniel writes about this as well. So the miracle of the Lord Jesus here in John 11, it wasn't a surprise in one respect. They, they knew that there was going to come a day when a man would come who would crush the serpent's head and it would have the power of life itself. And in fact, what we shall see is that the Lord Jesus didn't just have the power of life. It's, it's more significant than that. So we're thinking about the prophetic Significance here. Now you might say, "But hadn't the Lord Jesus already demonstrated that He was the fulfillment of prophecy by His other miracles?" What other miracles have the Lord Jesus done that involve resurrection? Maybe you can think about them. Um, the two obvious, the two ones that uh, I have here uh, in my notes are Jairus' daughter and the widow of Nain's son. Remember Jairus' daughter, the Lord Jesus comes into contact with Jairus, who's pleading for him to come because he's sick. By the time they get back to the, to the house, she's literally died, maybe minutes, maybe hours. The widow of Nain's son had been dead a little bit longer than that because he was already in a, in, in a, um, a coffin, for, for want of a better word, and he was being carried to his burial. But what's the difference here? Well, in some ways, they're very similar. That They both, they all involve resurrection, Um, I think why John selects this resurrection miracle is because Lazarus had been dead four days. Lazarus, by the time the Lord Jesus heard the message, delayed and then went, uh, Lazarus had been dead four days. Remember what we read um, when the Lord Jesus asked Martha to take away the stone in verse 39. Jesus said, "Take ye away the stone." Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, "Lord, by this time he stinks, for he has been dead four days." Um, now I don't know whether this is significant. It doesn't matter if it isn't. But A lot of commentaries suggest that uh, in the Jewish tradition there was a belief that the spirit of a person uh, stayed with them for three days, and then after the fourth day it would it would leave. So if that is true, then this miracle. Uh, this delay by the Lord Jesus was deliberate to make it abundantly clear that tradition or, or, or by by tradition or by science, and they obviously didn't have the science to, to well, we still don't really understand death today in, in one respect. But anyway, by, by science or by tradition, it was absolutely unequivocally the case that this, this man was dead. His spirit would have certainly departed if that was the Jewish tradition. And... And just by the length of this miracle, if you if you don't accept the biblical tradition, that's fine, um although it's clearly recorded but if if, that's, if that isn't why John selects this miracle, it was at least that it, the, the Lazarus had been dead four days. He hadn't just died. he wasn't being carried out to his to his burial place. He was dead four days. His body would have been putrefying, which means it would have been uh, corroding in the in the, in the heat. Of 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 uh, this was this wasn't summertime; it was springtime, so it wasn't like the body would start to corrupt, you know, um, as quickly. This was before Passover time, so springtime, but it's still fairly warm in, in Israel uh, by that. So, 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 a, a body when it's dead in the Middle East, it corrupts very, very quickly, um, and it is uh, it, it is very quickly um, decomposing. So, the prophetic significance is this. John knows that the history, Um, look at what Martha says. Um, Let's go back to um, verse 23. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. So she knew, did she know Genesis 3.15? I'm sure she did. Did she know Job? Perhaps she did. Did she know Daniel 12 verse two? I suspect she did. And even if she didn't know all that, the Lord Jesus has said, um, uh, earlier on for us, recorded in chapter 5, verse 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. So the Lord Jesus had prophesied that, uh, there was going to be a resurrection even in his lifetime, never mind what these saints may or may not have known of the Old Testament prophecies. He'd already foretold this. And so what John is saying is that now, uh, off the back of, of all that, off the back of God sending a, a promising redeemer who would reverse the effects of Genesis chapter three, uh, here is the one who is the fulfillment of all that prophecy. And so as this sign points us to the Lord Jesus, what we, what we see is that, there is little room for for manoeuvre. We can't. We can't. We can't get around this. The Lord Jesus clearly was the fulfilment of prophecy, and if he was that, then we are bound to either believe in him by faith or reject him. We can reject him by all means. We don't have. We're not bound to believe him. We have a choice to reject him, as we shall see a little bit later. Um, but there, there is no way. There is no case for the defense of the Lord Jesus not being the son of God because prophecy has foretold it. And here it is happening right before our very eyes. So that is the prophetic significance. I think, um, that is behind this sign. Now let's think about the theological significance. It's very warm in my office. You can probably tell, um, the theological—I'd ha- I'd have the door open, but they'd probably think it was a bit strange. Um, walking past my office, me speaking to a screen. Well, perhaps not. Perhaps not. They perhaps they wouldn't think it was strange. Present uh, times, not all. We're all shouting out screens more often than not, aren't we nowadays? But uh, I have my roof light open, that's about all I have for ventilation. So, um, the theological significance. The theological the. the what does, it, what does it signify so far as what it teaches us about who God is? Did you notice when we read it, how, there, how little there is about the actual miracle? We don't get a, an account from Lazarus as he, as he exits the tomb and they take the clothes off and We don't get an account from him, do we, of, of, oh, I went to heaven and came back. It's not one of those miracles. The, John is not, and, and the Lord Jesus wasn't, drawing our attention to the miracle. In fact, it's remarkable how simple the miracle part of it is. They open the stone, they, they open the, the grave. The Lord Jesus prays. It's a short prayer, it's not a long prayer. It's not a it's it, it he, he he um it says in verse um verse forty one Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou heard me. Et cetera, et cetera. There's no, um, there's no great drama here. This is perfectly normal uh, for the Lord Jesus to to lift up his eyes. That you know, that that was that was. So they tell me that was commonplace, and the Lord Jesus doesn't even. He 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 does the, he does the bit that man could not do, or finite man could not do, and then he lets the 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 the, the finite man take over from there. He doesn't. He he resurrects him he brings him out because obviously he wouldn't have been able to move out because he was trapped by uh by the way that they would have um buried him with with linen cloths he wasn't in balm like an egyptian mummy but he would have been wrapped with with cloths and he had a face cloth around his uh, face um a napkin around his face verse 44 but the lord jesus says loose him and let him go so the significance of this miracle has nothing to do with 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 the actual miracle because if the lord jesus wanted to be about the miracle he was he would have raised him from the dead he would have brought him out he would have opened it well first thing he would have done he would have, he would have miraculously moved the stone back because that would have been a wonderful miracle just before your very eyes the stone would have moved back and of course that happens but not in this miracle uh, and then he would have um you know, he wouldn't have just said Lazarus come forth. There'd have been a long speech. You know, and and you, I mean, we haven't got time to to imagine what it might have been like. But then, the last thing he would have done is at least he would have unclothed him in a decent and honourable way. But he would have unclothed him. Whereas he says in verse forty-four, "Loose him and let him go." He doesn't even make the miracle as 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 wonderful as it could have been. Just imagine if he'd done all those extra things. But it's not about the miracle. These are signs, and the significance is is not in the miracle. We're not supposed to be drawn to the miracle. We're supposed to be pointed to the miracle man. We're supposed to be pointed to the wonderful man. We're supposed to have our eyes uh, directed to Christ. And why? Because if he can do this, then what an amazing man he is. He must be, as John says, in his epilogue the the last little bit of his gospel he must be jesus the christ the son of god and if we believe that then we will have life too so this is teaching us more about god than it is about the biology of human resurrection uh you know it's not about the miracle it's about the miracle worker we've seen this throughout our series that the um the whole point of these signs is to direct us to who the Lord Jesus is. The word "believe" uh, in John's Gospel is is recorded, recorded ninety eight times, and what John wants us to do is believe in the Lord Jesus. He wants us to believe uh, in His Son. But the Lord Jesus also tells us what the theological significance is. Uh, chapter eleven, verse four. When Jesus heard uh, that Lazarus was sick. He said, this sickness is not unto death. It's not about dying and, and and about rising again, per se, but for the glory of God. The Son of God might be glorified. that The Son of God might reveal the glory of God and have it revealed in him. It's all about looking at the Lord Jesus. And that is the effect of the miracle on some. Verse 45, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him and had life in his name although in verse 46 some of them went their way to the pharisees and the pharisees clearly don't believe and this is the miracle this is the miracle that uh instigates the the, the final it, it it's the last straw for these pharisees and they counsel together ultimately to have the lord jesus put to death but even that isn't the significant part of the story that john records that and that if we were expounding this as a passage of scripture, we would go into all these details, but we're just thinking about the sign. We're thinking about the significance of what the Lord Jesus did here. He wants us, John wants us to believe. And it's about the glory of God. It's about the, the fact that the son of God might be glorified thereby. And, and is he not glorified by this? If if he wasn't glorified and he did manifest his glory back in that first miracle in chapter two, where He Uh, turned water into wine Uh, and many believed on him there as well and then the nobleman's son and then um, the the healing of the impotent man and then see if i get them in the right order the feeding of the five thousand the walk on the lake and the blind man uh last week that we we thought at thought thought thought, um with paul if he wasn't glorified in all these things then this miracle it it leaves us with no as we said in our introduction it leaves us with no way to defend a position whereby we say, this man isn't somebody who I should believe in because if he can do this, then he is surely the son of God. It was God at the very beginning that breathed life into man. And here is the same one breathing life. It's about glory. Glory is another, another big word in John's gospel. 40 times, over 40 times in John's gospel, the word glory is used and the words believe and glory and life they're all very very evident in the uh, opening statements in John's gospel so when John's talking about uh, in the beginning was the word and word was with God he's talking about there the life of men he's talking about the the glory of God being revealed through the incarnation of the Lord Jesus and he's talking about the fact that he wants us to believe Uh, they're all there very very clearly in the introduction to John's gospel and he has John isn't interested in sort of mixing it up and, uh, and and all the I am sayings, all the all the signs, all the discourses in John's Gospel, they're all designed to make us believe that the Lord Jesus is the Son of God. And this reveals the Lord Jesus. Who does it reveal the Lord Jesus as? It, it says, the Lord Jesus said that the Son of God might be glorified there. What, what aspects of God's character were revealed here? What is the theological significance of this, this sign? Well, we see the, uh, the self-control of the Lord Jesus. He's not overwhelmed, is he, by um, his sense of love for Lazarus, so much so that he has to go back the, the moment that message comes. He actually delays so that by the time he gets there, it will be four days and it will be more of a miracle than ever would have been if he'd have arrived and done it maybe two days after the message was sent. Because by the time the messenger gets back, Lazarus has actually died because of the, the math of, of the way it works. just the simple timing and passage of, of, of time. Um, but but it's, it is it is about self-control. So, so he, the, the message comes to him. Uh, Lazarus, who you love is is sick, and the Lord Jesus, if he was just a finite man, he would have said, "Well, I'll, I'll head back right away," because because I, I love Lazarus and I want to be with him and I want to help him. But you see, the Lord Jesus wasn't going to do anything that his Father didn't want him to do, or anything that was that was out of uh, out of sync with the, the will of the Godhead. And so he actually he has the self control to, to to stay, knowing that people would think that that would. Question his love for Lazarus, but knowing ultimately that it's for the glory of God. What else does it reveal? Well, it reveals that the Lord Jesus was all knowing. He he knew everything. He he knew that what would happen when he stood in front of that grave and and called Lazarus out. He knew that Lazarus was going to die. He knew what Mary and Martha were going to say. He he knows everything. He's all knowing. He's loving as well. It reveals the love of God, because uh, he he clearly he loved Lazarus. That's that's recorded for us here and he empathizes and he sympathizes and he weeps with the sisters he, he clearly loved them it also shows the wisdom of god because the lord jesus remember the um second miracle that was a, a healing that was done remotely and when the lord jesus got the message he could have remotely healed lazarus before he had died or he could have resurrected in the moment he died either way it could have been done remotely but the Lord Jesus wanted people to believe, and John wants people to believe. So it was better to leave Jordan, where he was kind of in hiding, and go back to Bethany, um, uh, which, if you read the account, it clearly is the best uh, place to go for the Lord Jesus. Um, let's see if I can find the verse. Yeah. Um, That they were concerned um, yeah verse seven. then after th- then after that he said to his disciples let this go unto Judea again so he wants to go back to Judea he wants to leave Jordan where he's kind of in in um, he's an obscurity down there and he wants to go back into into uh, Judea he wants to go up to Bethany where, where Martha and Mary were um, and his disciples say to him master the Jews of late sought to stone thee and goest thou thither again so he could have done this remotely, couldn't he? And then, then there would have been no risk to his life. But that's not why he delays. That's not why, uh, that's not why he wants to do this miracle. He's going to delay and then he's going to go. And by going, what happens? Well, Bethany was near unto Jerusalem. Ah, that's where the, the enemy is. Okay, about two miles and many verse nineteen. And many of the Jews came to Martha, Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their birth. So the Lord Jesus hasn't got just an obscure crowd in in Jordan. He's got a big crowd. Some of whom are from Jerusalem. Some of whom are, are people people are difficult to to convince. These people are are influenced by the Pharisees and the political elite in Jerusalem. And uh, and if you're going to convince them, you need you need a you need something that is um uh is powerful. And so. He has the wisdom to do this remotely, which he could have done, but to do it face to face in person. And we could go on. Um, We see his courage and strength. We see that that, that God can be troubled. We see that God can weep. And we ultimately see that God has power. But I, I and I think that it's clearly it's clearly a revelation. What we're learning about God here is that he has power. But it's more than that. It's not just that he has power and that he has unlimited power. And why do I say that? Why, why is it this This the significance of this, theologically, not about the power of God? It, it is that, but why, why, why do I think that that's not pri- primary purpose um, in this miracle? Well, look at what he says uh, to Martha. Verse 25, i am the resurrection and the life he doesn't say but 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 Mary, uh, but martha i've got i've got power he doesn't use the word power in this at all it was a show of power but he never speaks about power what he wants us to understand that he is life it's not that he has the power of life it's not that he has the ability to bring life he is life and if we don't believe in Christ, as John says in chapter three, then the wrath of God abides on us. We, we, we are we are already dead. So it's not just about power that what we learn here about God is not just about that. He is a powerful God and because the power is is, a, is an aspect of each of the miracles. Power to change water into wine, power to heal an impotent man, power, power, power. But the, the important thing here is that he is the source of life. He is life i am the resurrection and the life he is he is resurrection without christ we have no resurrection without christ we have no life so in that miracle the first miracle it wasn't just about the power of um his ability to change water water into wine He, he he is the source of joy he is the source of healing he is a source of food he is the source of light of of sight he he is the source of all these things and he is life I am the resurrection and the life that's what it tells us is that outside God there is no life and we know that because we're believers and we love God and, and we we have trusted him but how how profound that is how simple yet profound that is Outside God, there is no life. And so that's why people get put in tombs, because because of what happened in Genesis chapter 3, where the life that God had breathed into man was, was put under a curse, and the wages of sin was death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is life, and, and this brings us nicely on to our final aspect of significance, which is practical significance. That's the theological significance, the prophetical significance. What about the practical significance? Well, the first is um, that there are many, many lessons. We could learn lessons about how we deal with suffering, how we deal with grief. We could d- think about lessons about faith, and we could, there's loads of lessons here, but I want to just allow the the practical lesson that we're going to take away this evening just to fall off the bones of what I've already laid out. So so what is the obvious practical lesson then from learning that this was always promised and that now it has happened in Christ and it is revealed what we always knew to be true, but what we didn't want in our sinful nature to ever admit was that, he, that God is the source of life. What's the practical uh, implications of that? Well, the very fun, most fundamental practical lesson we can learn from that is that we must believe. This is a convincing sign. We've said this already. It's a convincing sign, and you can't gainsay it. You can't deny it. it, it it's unequivocal. You either believe in him because you, have, you, you are compelled in faith to do that, or you reject him. Look at what the Pharisees said. If we let him alone, verse forty-eight. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. They they weren't saying, "Oh, this didn't happen." Um, and 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 a bit like the the miracle last week. Uh, last week in our study, uh, you know, maybe he was the man who was uh, made uh to get uh, to have sight. Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. We we don't know. Ask his parents. Yeah, you know, we're not we're not we're not we're not very sure. No, it, it, there's there's no. There's no doubt here. They, the Pharisees weren't debating whether this miracle had happened and whether it truly indicated that whether the Lord Jesus was the Son of God. They, they, they know it, it does. And their problem is not that they, that they can't accept that. Their problem is that if that's the case, then their rosy life, their rosy, cosy life in Jerusalem is about to end in their view, in their foolish, finite counsel. They say if we let him this alone, all will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. They weren't interested at all in uh, in spiritual things. These were evil men, uh, with a few exceptions. We know that some of these men they came to faith, but the Pharisees as a category, the Sadducees as a category, these political elite in the Sanhedrin, uh, they were motivated uh, politically, and it was all about the money and the lifestyle material things that was about the here and now and that's largely true for a good portion of uh, modern day Israel there are there are there are some Jews some Israelites however that it's more than that they are true children of Abraham and they look at this miracle and they realize that it's not about the land anymore really it's about the fact that this Messiah has come and they must believe in him so that is Practically uh it is an evangelical thing, right? It's it's about what this tells us about the gospel. But how should we as believers apply this to ourselves? How how what, what can we learn practically from this miracle? And I don't think this is necessarily John's point uh per se. Um I've with that in, in the first half. So now I'm I'm trying to see how we can apply this to our, ourselves. What's the practical significance for us? And what's the thing that just falls off the bones here of what we've already been thinking about? What Without, you know, shoehorning some lesson in here for us to take away tonight, what's the thing that is just there on the surface? Well, these signs were written that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing we might have life through his name. And this sign made people do that. The risen Lazarus was such a problem for the Jewish community that they want, the Pharisees wanted to get rid of him. Lazarus was living proof that Christ was who he claimed to be there was no way they could deny that and of course the irony is that in uh, in sealing the deal if you like in in, in sealing the deal on who the Lord Jesus was on his identity he left them he left the Pharisees with no option because of what we've just said then to seal his destiny I, I use that word advisedly that, that they didn't actually that, They they nailed him to a cross. We know that he said in the previous chapter, I have power to lay down my life. So Lazarus was a problem for the Jewish community. And here's what I think we should learn from this as well. People should be able to look at Lloyd's life and see that my life points them to Christ as well. They could look at Lazarus and it pointed them to Christ. It didn't make... looking at Lazarus didn't make them really think about the miracle it made them think about the miracle man and as people look at our lives our lives, our testing our witness should make those people looking on look to Christ as well and that believing on him they might have life so that we as resurrected people, right, our physical bodies might die but after worms uh, as job says, then I, I, as, as people look at our lives, they should be so compelling in their evidence of what Christ can do in an unregenerate life by redeeming our lives that can look at us and have no other no other options and either believe because beyond all reasonable doubt it's clear that Christ is who he says he is or they reject him outright. And they go to a lost eternity and so i think that's what the application is and i think that's very powerful i don't know about you but as i've pondered that a little bit i haven't had a chance to ponder it much but it's quite it's quite sobering isn't it are there other are there always are there are always things in my life which send mixed messages to a lost world and so the ability for my life to be a sign that points people to christ is muted by the fact it's, it's diminished by the fact that christ's resurrection life in me isn't as work as it should be and so i i become a sign that is kind of obscured and it doesn't say christ all over it it says christ and a bit of lloyd and a bit of this and a bit of that and as i look at my life it, it, it's not compelling but it should be because we have been raised together with christ to sit in heavenly places says paul in ephesians We should be living a resurrection life. Paul says in Philippians 3 um, that he's counted all things. uh, All all those things would obscure uh, a witness's visibility of what Christ can do with the life um, had been counted as done. And he says in Philippians chapter 3 that um, I count them all but done. Um, and did count them all the done but that i may win christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is the law but that which is through faith of christ the which is through the faith of christ the righteousness which is of god by faith that i may know him and the power of his resurrection and he goes on to say and be conformable to death if that's what it means for paul he was happy to be even conformed to the death of christ if that's what knowing the power of his resurrection means and for me that just falls off what we've thought of tonight. It's, it's just there uh, without having to look for other things there's lessons in here about suffering and dealing with grief and and, and, and faith and th- that would be uh, good uh good ministry but we're looking at the significance of the sign and for me that's the practical uh implication of this uh, miracle Um, In closing, I I would just say that it's interesting uh, that John doesn't record here in his gospel um, at this point that all these sins, all these signs were done that we might believe. After this point, um, the Lord Jesus goes into further obscurity. Um, He goes into an upper room and then he uh, leaves the upper room and and he takes the, the disciples into a garden. Uh, after chapter 12, uh, chapter 12 anyway, and that's all, there's no, there's no signs done then at that point, it's just conversation, the Lord Jesus is having a discourse with his disciples, and um, and, um, and so, so, the, so the, the, the the, uh, the purpose of John's gospel at this point changes, and you might think, well, why, why John didn't, this is the climactic miracle, surely, why didn't you, Put here that all these signs were done um, and and many others uh, that you might believe. Why didn't he put that there? It's interesting. Um, We will go on next week to think about the draft of fishes. But that is after that he states that all these things were done that you might believe. So when exactly does John record that then? When, When does that statement occur in John's gospel? Well, it's after he closes the record on Thomas's confession. Remember, Thomas said he didn't want to believe, um, but he saw the resurrected Christ. And now that was, you know, beyond all shadow of a doubt, this was that this was the son of God. And he says um, now he he admits that the Lord Jesus is, is God manifest in flesh. So for Thomas, it was the resurrection that clinched it. The resurrection was a sign of such massive significance for Thomas and indeed the rest of the Christian family that it unreservedly uh it causes us to recognize christ for who he is so perhaps the resurrection is a sign too and uh if you read your commentaries you'll find that many people think there were other signs in john's gospel doesn't really doesn't really matter but um i this is my my final comment um the lord jesus does say that the resurrection would be a sign i don't know whether paul mentioned this um uh, when he covered the miracle in chapter two he may, may have done in which case i apologize if i'm repeating what paul said but perhaps it's a good point in the series to to, to repeat it the lord jesus said um in chapter two um well the jews say, say to him verse 18 uh, what signs show you unto us seeing that you do these things And he's cleansed the temple jesus answered and said to them destroy this temple and in three days I will rise it up, which is a reference to his resurrection. What sign will you do? Destroy this temple and in three days I will rise it up. So the resurrection is a sign by by some measure. Um, but uh, And it's after that, the Lord Jesus said, these, these signs uh, were the ones I wanted to record in order that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And ultimately, ultimately, it is the resurrection of Christ that is the clincher. It's the... First Corinthians chapter 15, uh, moment where you know, if we don't have the resurrection of Christ, then irrespective of what he did at Lazarus's tomb, it doesn't really matter, uh, he isn't who he said he, he is, and, and how glad we are that the one who sent I am the resurrection of life is truly the resurrection of life and was able, uh, to uh, to have God and the Holy Spirit and Him together all together, um, cause that great, glorious uh, moving of the stone and uh, escaping of the tomb, leaving the grave clothes in place and the napkin in place and perform a miracle that eclipses every sign that we've looked at by being raised from the dead. All uh, right, just this has been uh, helpful and um, found it quite a, a tricky uh, study uh, to to get to the to the heart of what John's saying. It's so simple, yet it's profound, but I hope it's come across uh, clearly tonight. Shall we just, just close with a word of prayer?